Luis Garvito was born in Genova, Quindío, Colombia on January 25, 1957. Garvito had seven younger siblings, and his father was an alcoholic. His mother was also into the sex work. Garvito complained in a police interrogation that he was also sexually abused by one of his neighbors, one of them being a friend of his father and a local drugstore owner. Without any vent to his frustrations, Garvito killed and tore Bert apart. At the age of 16, unable to handle the abuse and torture, Garvito decided to flee from his home. He started by working at a farm and then moved into working as a store clerk. Then he started to sell religious prayer cards in the street and moved places frequently and was doing odd jobs for a living. In the midst of this, he also had a girlfriend named Teresa, who was a single mother. He shared a stable relationship with her and the child. According to Teresa and Garvito's friends, Garvito was a very normal and friendly person, except that he was very short-tempered. As he moved into adulthood, he moved to different places in search of work. He had also taken after his father's drinking habits, thus leading him to be very unfriendly and aggressive. The people who accommodated him, put him pushed him out due to his aggressive behavior. Garvito started killing in 1992. He, lured to, he used to lure boys by changing his disguises often. He disguised himself as a priest, farmer, homeless man, street vendor, drug dealer, an elderly man, and gambler. He lured poor children like orphans, peasants, and the homeless within the age span of 8 and 16 years during the daytime by promising them payment for easy work offering drugs to addicted children, bribing them with small gifts, money, candy, and odd jobs. When Garvito offered money to these kids, they became suspicious. Hence, he paid stakes for children interested in games and for odd jobs. He even offered juice or cake from local shops and took them with him for long walks or for doing labor, carrying crates of fruit, help with the cattle, harvesting sugarcane, etc. Once the children felt fatigued and vulnerable, he would take them to areas with high plants and tie, torture, and kill them. There were cuts in the neck or decapitation and also cuts at several places in the body. Children were subjected to prolonged torture, bite marks, and sharp objects inserted in their body. During the 1990s, the Colombian conflict was on the rise, leading to government neglecting the poor and homeless people, especially focusing on missing cases of poor and homeless children. Since these children had no one to report them as missing, it went unnoticed until November 1998. 380 miles from Bottega in Nasadoras, a mass grave of 14 Sausasian boys was discovered. After forensic investigation, it was discovered that the Boys' age fell between four and eight and fourteen years. After five years, the bodies were found, rendering it difficulty to difficult to identify the bodies. With each time, it became crucial to find the identities of the victims to move forward with the case. Since the boys were either poor or orphans, they never got dental treatments, hence leaving the police with no dental match. The police at the end was left with only two options which were DNA analysis and facial reconstruction of the bones. With forensic officials working on identifying the victims, more boys were going missing. Later in April 1999, in Villa Savino, Colombia, John Ivan Sabagal, between age 10 and 16, who went 
to sell lottery tickets goes missing. His mother, Maria Bertolin Lara, and her husband went to the police to report the missing boy. In midst of the troubled situation in Colombia, the police officials would have most probably sent them away. But with the increasing cases of missing children, the police officials took the case. During that time, Prosecutor Fernando Aya, who was handling the case, came to know about this missing report. He was already investigating 13 cases of the murdered children for over six months. He assured the father of Ivan that he would do his best to bring the kid back home. On the other side of Mario, Leon Artinguna, Colombia's well-known forensic facial reconstruction, was helping the police officials. Since the children fell between the age group of 8 to 16, their face structure wasn't fully developed. Since the adult parameters are different from the facial, child's facial parameters, he faced difficulties. Police were coming up with theories and working on leads, one of the theories being the perpetrators being a part of a cult since wax was found in the burial sites. The other theory was was that it was being drug-related payback, but none of the theories helped this case. Aldemar Duran, an investigator who was investigating the three murders in Genova, Quindia, was closely following up on the patterns of the killings, leading him to similarities with other children child murder cases across the country. He had an assumption that the perpetrator might be the same person. He started going through seminal crime records between the years 1991 to 1998, and he discovered a pattern. The way they have been buried, evidence found at the crime scene at the burial sites, the position of the bodies, fibers from the ropes used to tie the victims, and empty bottles discovered at the place of the burials were some of the patterns found in the children murder case. From the forensic analysis of the physical evidence, they were able to deduce that they were behind a serial killer who was sexually motivated. Duran tried to detect the behavioral pattern of the killer with the given evidence, but the Colombian law did not have the expertise to create a physiological profile of the serial killer. On February 6, 1999 in Palmyria, about 60 kilometers from Sanderos, more bodies were discovered. Carlos Hernan Herrera, and detect- another detective, was dis- assigned. Some of the evidence found at the scene were a pair of glasses, a pair of shoes, underwear, and some currency. When the evidence was closely analyzed, the left heel of the shoes showed unusual wear consistent with the other pair. It was hypo- hy- hypothesized that the killer had a limp, which led him to rotate his right leg a bit while walking. The pair of glasses were burnt half, so this might have caused an injury. The prescription of glasses revealed that the killer might fall between the age of 40 and 45, or between 55 and 60. The currency revealed that the killer was, was was someone who traveled from place to place. With all the evidence gathered and analyzed, they knew they were looking for a man who limps, a man who wears glasses with an average height of 1.63-1.67 meters and of an age between 40 to 45 or 55 to 60. He also had a preferred liquor brand, which he doesn't deviate from. With these criteria, the police started searching for previous records where young boys were murdered, offenders being above age 42, height being 1.63 to 1.67, and the areas where the bodies were discovered. There were about 25 
suspects who were active in these areas where the bodies were found. Duran went to Bottega to investigate on a deeper level, and after a few days of intensive research, he came across a case of a child victim in Tunja in 1996. The 12-year-old boy, Reynold Delgado, was murdered and buried in the same pattern as the other cases, pointing to the pointing out that the same killer had killed Reynald too. In the case notes, it was revealed that a store owner, as well as several other prostitutes, revealed that they saw Reynald with an unknown man who wasn't local. Among the suspect list who was interrogated and released without proper evidence, Luis Garvito was one too. During this time, investigations in Pereira led to pro- probable suspect Pedro Pablo Ramirez Garcia, who was a child offender for a long time. His crimes against children became in, began in 1980. He was 44 years of age, limped with his right, shared the same height range, and found and was found selling honey in a bottle similar to the ones found at the burial sites. On October 1st, 1997, two boys disappeared in Perea, and their bodies were found with traces of torture and assault. And another boy pointed out Pedro as the one who had, who had attempted to kill him. With all these factors, Pedro was arrested and kept in lockup. Pedro refused to admit to any of the crimes. Just when the police thought they had nabbed the killer, another four children were murdered in Bottega, identical to the previous murder cases. Mario, who was working on facial reconstruction with the help of technique used in Russia, Britain, and the USA, managed to reconstruct the faces of four victims and the family recognized the boys too. Duran was able to reach Garvito's family and met one of Garvito's sisters, Esther Garvito Kubilos. When asked if Garvito left anything behind, the sister gave a bag full of Garvito's personal items, which he had asked her to keep. The bag contained papers, photos, notebooks, but nothing that revealed where he currently is. On further investigation, Duran found that Garvito was involved by a court for a murder of a minor in Cornito. It was also discovered that one of the receipts showed a transfer of money to a woman. He tracked down the woman, and she also had a bag that Garvito had given her to keep. The bag also contained papers, newspapers, bus tickets, pictures, a few lottery tickets. These lottery tickets were similar to what Ivan was selling. There was also synthetic fibers, razors, which led to a strong suspicion that Garvito was the man that they were after. At Palmyra, at Palmyra there, where they had found charred items, they assumed that Garvito must have also burnt himself in the process, which would require medical attention. They investigated medical facilities around Palmyra, but it seemed he hadn't visited them, but instead had traveled six hours to Perea to get treatment for his in- injuries in the pharmacy. After a lot of analysis with the gathered evidence, case notes, and reports, it was concluded that Garvito was present in all the scenarios, and he is the serial killer they had been searching for. They arrested Luis Garvito and had him for interrogation, which prolonged for a period of eight hours, which yielded no result as Garvito refused to admit his wrongdoings. They finally, then finally, they ter- invited Duran for interrogation, who was an experienced detective and also who extensively studied and researched the crimes committed by Garvito. He talked about the crimes committed by Garvito in detail, which allowed Garvito to relive the crimes and finally led him to a breakdown. 
Luis Garvito confessed everything to the police officials and revealed that he had felt like he was possessed by an evil spirit while committing the crimes. He also showed the police all the places where he had buried the victims. Garavita was charged with 172 counts of murder, out of which he was declared guilty for 138 counts, thus let sentenced to 1,853 years and nine days in prison. However, the Colombian law has a limit of only 40 years of the sentence, hence reducing it and also, by helping p- the police in the investigation, Garavito's sentence was reduced to 22 years. He's expected to re- be released in 2021. During the investigation, Garavito revealed that he felt powerful and in control when he had killed the victims and looked at them suffer. Garavito also took advantage of the social unrest due to the Colombian conflict. He also confessed that he had found pleasure in killing the children. The the more intense the orgasm and the more pleasure he gains from it. He even used to cut off the thumbs of the children and keep them as souvenirs. He stopped taking thumbs souvenirs since he realized dogs may sniff out the scent. Garavito revealed that there were times he would wake up crying remembering the victims, but when he thought about the pleasure gained, he would feel content and happy. He even maintained a list of victims so that he could pray for them. In January 1984, it was revealed that he was under psychocratic care for five years. Post-discharge, he planned and perfected his technique for luring the children. He was was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. He fitted the stereotype of an intelligent serial killer. He skillfully changed his disguises according to the location without raising any suspicions. Due to the aggressive and chaotic conditions of Colombia, working odd jobs did not raise any suspicion and odd jobs were inviting for the poor children. Garavita was used to jumping from topic to topic when it comes to talking about his personal matters. He skips it. According to the opinion of the police, it seems to be the repercussions of his childhood abuse. Garvito also seemed to have a controlling personality because he reached his goals using the perfect social methods like getting his sentence reduced by helping the police in in the investigation. He never showed true remorse till the end. From the outside, he looks very unfriendly, soft-spoken, and open. He even confessed that he was drunk while he murdered his victims. His drinking habits, child abuse, and also the environment he grew up in with an alcoholic father and a mother who was a sex worker affected him deeply. Even a fetus, the substance abuse would have affected him, hence producing a psychopath. According to forensic expert, he was considered a sadist, pedophile, and psychopath. Never, he never believed the people around him and was paranoid that someone might poison his food. He only six ex- accepts food delivered by people he believes completely. The re- location of his family is unknown to the public. In memories of the children at the location where his first set of victims were discovered teens of the children playing, 